EFTM Thank you for listening. Lovely to have your company on the EFTM podcast once again this week. Um, lots to get through, although I will say uh, it feels like a slow week. Is it just me? Am I just being lazy? I don't know. feels like a slow week, but maybe that's just the, the world of tech slowing down in the lead up to Black Friday or Christmas or something. I love getting emails from PRs telling me they've got these Black Friday things and no one tells me when Black Friday is. It's like you're meant to know. Okay, Christmas is the 25th of December. Easter, I don't know when that is, but it's in the, in, on the calendar. Black Friday is a made-up thing. I'm tipping that given my knowledge of where it came from and what it is, it's, you know, the last weekend in November because normally Thanksgiving, I think, is actually the 25th of, uh, or it's the last Thursday in November or something like that. And so Black Friday came about after um, Thanksgiving and so it'd be the last weekend in November. But it's funny, it's like I've done a bunch of radio today. Well, who are you tipping for the Melbourne Cup? I don't know, number seven. Because uh, I didn't even know it was on. I don't know whether I'm just in a different world, but I just it's just not something I know about. I don't care for the Melbourne Cup, you know. I'll put $10 on something, why not? But yeah, not a world I live in. So Black Friday sales, it's like, when's Black Friday? <laughs> so it's like, you know, sometimes you just got to go, people, people need to be told the basics. I'm okay with that. Hey, did you know Black Friday's on the 20 whatever? We've got this thing. Anyway, that's coming up. So you be prepared for a bunch of emails from all your favorite stores, everyone that's ever put you on a on a database in a newsletter. They they're coming to get you folks. They're coming to sell you because there's a lot of deals and and whatnot leading up to Black Friday as always. Now, I'm going to talk metaverse uh today um because I did get a a, a great chat um with a key executive at um, the new company, Meta. Uh, his name's Vishal Shah, and he is the head of, the vice president of Meta, uh, the Metaverse, um, Facebook's new name. Um, uh, we, we got that, I did put the full interview on YouTube, and I also ran a bit of it on Nine News, but it was, it was a fascinating chat. It, it was interesting, you know, what is it, what's going to do, when's it going to happen, uh, as well as some more basics like why are you doing this, and is this a bit dodgy? Um, so I'll bring you that full chat end to end with Vishal Shah uh, a little later in this show. Plus, we're going to talk about a little bit of something different: robotics and Ford. Not not names you'd kind of put straight together, but the QUT. Um, what's that? Queensland University of Technology QUT um, have given, been given a grant by Ford, um, and they're robotics researchers. So it's about how Ford Autonomous Vehicles will understand the world around them. I find this fascinating. So we are going to talk to um, uh, Professor Michael Milford, who's an absolute guru in this area, uh, just about what that grant will do, um, what, the, what the research means, and um, what, it, what it's all going to become. That plus a couple of calls uh, coming up here on the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. All right, let's get cracking with calls. G'day, Farron. How are you doing, mate? G'day, Trevor. How are you? Yeah, real good. What can I do but, for uh, you? Yeah, mate, I'm, uh, I'm looking at uh, upgrading my Samsung Galaxy smartwatch, uh, and I've been looking at the, um, 
the Casio uh, G-Shock. I uh, can't seem to find a lot uh, on the net about it, so I was just wondering, mate, you might be able to uh, advise on with that. Thank you. That's a strange one. They It kind of appeared and disappeared. Uh, like uh, Even the links that we had to it are, are gone now, but if you can find one, the G-Squad Pro, is that what you're talking about? I think that's a model, mate. Yes, yes. So yeah, it, that, yeah. it looks like a traditional G-Shock with a big, solid, rugged bezel around it. Um, all that stuff, but it's a, it's a full colour touch screen. They say it's about a yep. thousand bucks in Australia. Is that that what you're seeing it at? That, yeah, mate. Yeah, that's about right. Yes, yes, yes. Just having trouble seeing who's actually stocking it here, mate. And it just sort of concerns me that uh, yeah, no one's stocking it here. So well, it's, pro- uh, it's probably because of demand. It would be my first guess. Um, pretty popular. Um, G-Shock is popular at the best of times, just with a, a standard watch release. So for them to come out with their first. Because I've had plenty of G-Shocks that are smart. You know, they they, they, um, they step track and they give Bluetooth notifications and stuff, but nothing that's fully smart like this. This has got uh, Google Wear OS, which is awesome. So basically it's going to do everything your current smartwatch does, but it's going to look like a fully sick bloody G-Shock and be rugged. Yes. Um, if you can get one, um, I, don't, I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, um, warranty and stuff because Casio and G-Shock are... Based in Australia, they should support uh, international warranty. It would be best if you could buy it locally, though. But, mate, it is literally just going to be a challenge to buy it, to find yeah. it. Yeah, it's on eBay and, and uh, another site, mate. But I, I, I don't know, it's just like shopping are locally. They re- so, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. are, they, are they reputable sellers, though? Oh, I, to be honest, mate, I didn't really look into it because I only saw it there and I thought, nah, I'll see if I can source one locally. So, yeah, um, I, but, I'd, I'd, I'd be yeah. the same as you, mate. I would be working pretty hard to find a... Um, you know what I do? I would join um, Facebook groups around okay. G-Shock. I'd, I'd join a, a Facebook group around G-Shock because at the very least, they're going to tell you where you could reputably buy it um, online, but they might also be able to give you that um, that quality of understanding where you can get it uh, locally. Now, sure. I'm, I'm on the G-Shock website um, okay, in, right a, in Australia, and there's three different models of it, different colours it looks like, a black one, and one with blue tints, and a really sick looking one with a red uh, band and red tints. It says add to cart. Um, it's, uh, added, okay. it's added it to my cart, and I am desperately trying to avoid clicking the PayPal button right now, my friend. <laughs> yeah, don't touch it. Mate. Um, it's yeah, Nove- November the 2nd as we record it, and uh, November 1 is payday, so... <laughs> <laughs> I love it, mate. Love do, it. do you reckon yeah. I'll get through the rest of the month with, <laughs> with a thousand yeah, less? Yeah, man, things might be tight, mate. You uh, might have to... Uh, yeah, I, just, I dipped um, into the credit card at the end of last month. I got about five days from the end of the month, and I was getting declined, so I thought I'd better dip into the credit card here. But it was only 180 bucks. I fell short. I, I put on the credit card for the last five days of the month, so see if I can track right. out a, a, a G-Shock. <laughs> mate, honestly, yeah. gshock.com.au. Okay, mate. Thank you so much, mate. I'll, um, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll have a look at that tonight, mate, and... Um, yeah, that's it. I really like it. I, uh, you know, I, I work outdoors and I want a, a strong watch and, um, you know, something's going to last. So, yeah, unfortunately, Samsung was good, but, uh, yeah, no, it just doesn't last. Hey, G-Shock yeah. will last. It's what they do. There's no doubt yeah. about that, man. Well, no, let's see who get theirs, gets theirs first. <laughs> okay, mate. Oh, yeah. And if my wife asks, it's your fault. It is, mate. Yeah, you're road testing it for me, mate. No, I actually blame, blame 7HO with him, mate, when you're talking to them <laughs> next. So. <laughs> I'll blame buddy Mick and Sarah. Good stuff. Mick and Sarah, mate. Yeah, rip into them, mate, when you're talking to them next. Good on you, buddy. Thanks, Good Farron. on you, mate. Thanks Cheers, for your call, mate. See you, mate. You Bye. Go. No worries at all. Farron's looking for a new smartwatch. He's obviously a listener to 7HO in Hobart. I'm uh, down there, I think, every Wednesday, I think it is. We're, uh, we're on 7HO 
in Hobart. So uh, always good to hear from a radio listener. I still love my radio, so uh, if you're a radio listener, it kind of means a lot when you reach out and say good day. So good on you, Farron. Thanks, mate. Thanks for getting in touch. If you want to get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com. All right, so Facebook announced they're renaming themselves Meta. What the hell does that mean? So I was offered an exclusive opportunity to talk to Vishal Shah, who's the VP and head of the new Metaverse product group within Facebook Reality Labs. Now, he oversees product engineering, uh, the product itself, operations. Prior to this, he was with Instagram for six years, where he was most recently head of product, overseeing all the things to do with consumer and monetization. Before Facebook, he was at uh, Turn, I think it was, uh, pioneering programmatic advertising. Um, he's got a degree in computer science. The bloke's smart, right? Uh, he's on Instagram, if you want to follow him there, Vishal Shahis. Um, but Vishal Shah is his name, and I had the opportunity to sit down with him. So this is my full chat uh, with Vishal Shah from Facebook. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Vishal, great to see you, mate. Great to talk to you. This is a big day for Facebook as a company with a complete rebrand. Explain to me in your words, why are we rebranding Facebook? Yeah, you know, in, in many ways, the, the rebrand today uh, reflects uh, the last couple of years of thinking, which is Facebook as a company was more than just social media. Actually, a couple of years ago, we rebranded to be a slightly different word mark, but still Facebook. And there was some confusion, you know, uh, Instagram from Facebook. Is Facebook the company? Is Facebook the product? And really, we've been more than the Facebook product for, for quite some time. And so this is really signaling two things. Mm. It's signaling, one, that we are more than just a social media company, more than just the Facebook app, certainly. But two, that we are running towards a future, a future that we're really excited about, the next platform, which is the metaverse. And so is it safe to say for people that might be reading headlines today that Facebook changes name, that the average user won't see this name other than perhaps, you know, in that little boot up logo on, on other apps, you might see Instagram from Meta as opposed to from Facebook. But as a product name, everything else stays the same. So the products that, that people love today, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger, those names don't change. Uh, they will be from Meta, which is the parent company. But the Meta brand, uh, our company brand, we, we don't expect to be you know, a, a quiet brand. It will be a consumer brand in the way many other consumer brands work today. A lot of our, our hardware will be, will be branded uh, Meta uh, in the same way that, that we might expect from another hardware manufacturer. I think the, the brands that people expect and love today absolutely will remain the same. We still have a Facebook app. It's still called Facebook. Uh, but the Meta brand will be the the overall brand controlling both the, the media, social media products as well as the, the next computing platform will go. Now, the biggest challenge you've got <laughs> in your role, um, and it's a, it's a lofty role of vice president in this area, what is the metaverse? It is, uh, it is the most important question uh, that everyone's certainly asking now. The, the way I'm explaining it is the metaverse is the successor to the mobile internet. It, it's not a new internet, but it's a new way of interacting with the internet. If today... We look at the internet. In the metaverse, we are in the internet. What that means is we have this idea of presence, that we are you know, inside a space and not just alone, but with other people. Right now, you and I are happily chatting across a, a giant ocean, but I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm in the same space as you. We, we simply are looking at mm. glowing rectangles on the screen, and there isn't really a sense of, of presence. And I think the last 18 months have taught us that Sometimes we can't be together physically, 
but we would love to have a way to, to feel together. And right now, we can't quite do that with the technology of today. So get, fast forward um, five years, 10 years, what would a simple one-on-one catch-up like this look like? It might be a, a, a parent and grandparent. It might be children and, and their mates. What does a catch-up look like in the metaverse? Well, I think there's, a, there's an easier way to think about this today with a set of paradigms we understand, like, like, a, like a living room or a room in your home where you, you will bring people in to, to have a conversation. I think there'll be digital equivalents of those spaces. Um, but, you know, this is a digital space, so it doesn't have to follow the rules of physics in the same way a, a room might follow the rules of physics today. The thing is, this is years out to be at, at massive scale for everyone to understand, but we're starting to get glimmers and, and hints of this even today. So we actually have a product called Horizon Workrooms that we, we launched a couple of months ago for VR. And you, you can get into a space and have a conversation with someone. And it's a stylized avatar. It doesn't necessarily look like you and me as we look mm. right now, but because we see head movements, because we see body language, because there's spatial audio where I know where the sound is coming from, you feel like you're there, even though you know you're not. And it's it's quite different than a, than a video call. And fortunately, it's a bit hard to explain that until you feel it. And I, I you know, today we are not at the scale where everyone can explain and, and feel that, yeah. but but that's the vision. So, I mean, I think the the one-on-one or the the, the Zoom call um, example is the one that we're most used. What's your best example of a um, of a big picture of the metaverse in terms of, I guess, existing in the metaverse, uh, transactions, uh, buying and selling? Why do we need the metaverse when we've got the real world to buy and sell and create fashion and, and digital products? Yeah, to be perfectly clear, I, I don't think of the metaverse, we don't think of the metaverse as a replacement for the physical world. Um, I think there's there's no replacement for being there with someone or transacting with someone in the physical world. But we are increasingly spending more of our time in digital spaces. And whether that's transacting online, meeting online, doing work online, and we think those experiences can be better. The thing I'm most excited about actually are the next generation of businesses, creators who will build digital native products, goods, services, and make them available to people to buy so that they can build a living for themselves because maybe they wouldn't have been able to take their art or take their craft and turn that into a business in, in the world we live in today. So this is the, the, the ambition that we have, but also recognize that this is not something that, that we, Meta, our company formerly known as Facebook, we, Meta, can build alone. Uh, and that's why we're talking about it as early as we are, because we're partnering with other companies, having the conversation broadly with consumers, with with press, with with regulators, with with privacy advocates, because it's important to establish some of those norms early. If if it's not today and it's years away, how far away is it? Like how how many years away is this different interaction, this different existence in the digital space? I think the full vision of what we shared today at, at Connect as, as our at our conference is five, ten, maybe even fifteen years into the future. But a lot of the underlying experiences that we're talking about are gonna start launching in early VR experiences, early AR experiences, augmented reality, but also across other devices. I I don't think, we don't believe that the metaverse will be experienced on those devices alone. And so we're also thinking about how they might show up on phones and on computers, uh, because if we want to achieve the ability for you and I to spend time together and you have a headset and I don't, it would be a shame if those experiences were limited to a Mm. a piece of hardware. How, How do you begin the process now of building this future with things in mind that you've learned over the last few years, like privacy, uh, data protection. You know, there's a lot of things that we've learned through the evolution of the internet. 
how do you bring those in and make sure that the the thing that we end up with, whatever it is, is something that's actually beneficial to society? I mean, this is exactly why we're talking about it so early uh, for, for a few reasons. One, again, we don't think Facebook meta should be building any of this alone. We'll be building it with other companies. We'll be building it with, with, with the public more broadly. Two, we have to talk about it early enough so we can establish some of the norms and work through some of the challenges early before things get to real scale. These things don't work. And we've learned in the last 10 or 15 years, we cannot retrofit some of these norms after the fact. So whether it's about how data is being used, giving people control, being having transparency, understanding the implications of the decisions that we're making, we learn those along the way, both as a company and frankly, as a society. And this is why we are talking about this as early as we are and committing to to asking those questions much earlier than we did in our past. I think there's obviously been a lot of questions today about timing. Um, you know, things, words like data, privacy, um, personal privacy. Um, there's a lot of things that resonate around Facebook in a negative sense. And the idea of rebranding the company when you're in the midst of things like, you know, Senate inquiries and whistleblower outrage and those kind of things, it doesn't look good. How, how do you answer that? Well, I, I appreciate the question because clearly the timing uh, is is a question that many people have. At the same time, anyone that's been through a rebrand or has seen a rebrand like this understands it's not something we execute in a couple of weeks. This takes many, many months of planning to, to get to a place that we are in today. But also we aren't, um, we aren't running from our past. This is about running towards a future, a future that includes the apps of today. It's why Facebook, the product isn't getting rebranded. Instagram isn't getting rebranded, but the company is about more than just social media. So this is about certainly acknowledging where we've come from, but also thinking about the future. Uh, the thing that resonates the most with me is if we were trying to run from the past, I don't think we would have gone through with a rebrand like this in the middle of this cycle, because all it's going to do is draw more attention, not less. So how do you build trust? Because um, I, personally, I would argue that Facebook lacks trust broadly in the, in the public in that sense. You know, we've, we've had concerns around elections, the pandemic, misinformation, and these are all difficult things for you to manage, let alone anyone else. But there's a there's a trust perception around Facebook. How do you build trust so that we believe in the metaverse coming forward? Otherwise, I guess there's a negativity around the metaverse and you as the, the lead for this wouldn't want that negativity. So what do you do to build trust? Well, I think the scrutiny is important. Uh, the, our, the scale of our products certainly warrant attention and, and inquiry. At the same time, as we're working through some of the challenges of social media, as we learn about them, we know that some of the, the trade-offs here are between speech and different and 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 whether or not people can express themselves, not necessarily between you know our business and and whether or not we can achieve our goals. The way we build trust is by communicating openly, transparently, early and often. And we didn't necessarily do that uh, at the dawn of the, of the social media age. This is what we're changing. This is why we're having this conversation now. These products are not at scale yet. This is a 5, 10, 15 year journey. And if I could have had that conversation 15 years ago when social media got started, knowing what we know now, we certainly would have. So is it knowing what we know now that helps us uh, ensure that parents, for example, can have some faith in the metaverse? And we have to kind of use quotes here because we don't know what it is, but you know, children, um, protecting children on on your own platforms, you know, there's a lot of questions around the impact of social media on, on young teens, for example. Um, you know, th there's some concerns around our youngest on these platforms. What do we do to ensure that children, for example, are protected in the metaverse? When the metaverse, if you say it's an open and there's going to be lots of companies involved, you, Meta, 
won't be able to control even from what you've learned? How, how do we manage that? How do we make it a safe place for kids? Well, I, I don't think it is uh, our job to control necessarily what people can and can't do, but I do think it's important to have the conversation and to ensure that parents can have the conversation with their kids in the same way, you know, I have a 10 year old and a seven year old and, and they're certainly active on, on platforms. We have the conversation about how to use them, how to think about digital citizenship in a world where they're doing school online and they're meeting with their friends online. Yep. So I think it's important for parents to have that conversation, but you can only do that when you understand how to have that conversation. And that's why talking about it early matters. And do you now proactively work um, with regulators, for example, because I feel like it, that's been the challenge of Facebook is regulators have had to come in in the, in the aftermath of a, a brilliant product being launched and built. Do you work proactively now with regulators around the world to ensure that whatever comes of the metaverse does meet the needs of society as we expect it? We do. We've already begun those engagements early. And it's why before these products are really built and at scale, we can have those conversations. And, you know, technology shifts over time have come often quickly, but we end up having the consequence conversation after the fact. We're trying to change that. We're trying to have it earlier and we're trying to engage as broadly as possible, not just as a company, but with the rest of the industry and with regulators around the world. It, it's probably billions of dollars that'll be spent on on building great things, great platforms. Um, what, what if that money was spent on the issues that we have today? Um, you know, speech is a difficult one to address. There's a lot of issues that exist on social media. You're the biggest social media company with Instagram and Facebook. What if we just directed all those resources into fixing what we have today rather than worrying about what the future is? Is that a challenge? We certainly spend significant amounts of money on integrity and safety. At the same time, our platforms reflect challenges that have existed in humanity and society well before social media came about. So I think it's unfair for us mm. to be held accountable to fix those challenges. However, we have a responsibility to do what we can. And I think it's okay for us as a company to, to invest in both, to invest in safety, integrity for our platforms of today and the future, and to invest significantly in where we think technology is going so that we can build experiences that consumers can continue to love. Right. You've moved from Instagram to Meta, Metaverse, uh, you know, leading the Metaverse charger at Meta. Um, you've got Thanksgiving catch-ups, Christmas catch-ups coming. What are the things you're going to be telling your family um, are exciting? What are you What are you going to going to get them engaged in around the, the Thanksgiving and the Christmas table to, you know, get that buy-in from the people you love and trust most are going to be the end consumers here. What are you most excited about? I mean, in some ways it's funny because the last 18 months have shown us what we've missed by not being able to have some real in-person physical interactions with one another. I think we've all experienced some form of video conference fatigue over the last 18 months because this is how we interact with others. And we as, as yep. humans crave interaction, crave the ability to connect with one another. And I think that's a, as a baseline, the thing I'm most excited about. Now, what comes from there? Playing games together, being able to work out together and, and, and compete in a, you know, a, a swimming competition or a biking competition, even though we're all in our own homes is I think pretty far out. But baseline, being able to feel like you can be with those you, you can't be with physically, I think we all deeply internalized in the last 18 months. If you take an Oculus Quest, for example, to a family gathering, what's the first thing you show them? Beat Saber. Beat, Beat Saber, Saber, always. always. <laughs> it just makes sense. The modality just makes sense. Uh, and it's uh, it's a really fun way to get get, get started. And, it, and it's a kind of all demographics thing too, isn't it? You can really see anyone from any age making a fool of themselves and having a great time. And I think that helps 
sell that is is a great example. People that might have seen Beat Saber to say that Beat Saber could become more interactive um, in the metaverse because you could be everywhere and, and playing the game together. I think that's the key point is a lot of these experiences today that are, are single player or, for, or designed for one can become significantly more interesting and fun when you're with someone else. Beat Saber is a game, but imagine a, a travel experience that right now you can go and do alone, but now you can go and do with your friends at the same time. Matt, I appreciate your time. It's an exciting day for you and uh, you've got a big, big lot of work ahead. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate it. Taking your calls, we've got a tech question. Go to the website, eftm.com. G'day, Dale. How are you, Trevor? Yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? Mate, I want to know if there's a device you can get. I do interstate transport anywhere yep. from Brisbane to Adelaide and everywhere in between. Very poor mobile reception. Is there a booster or something you can fit to the vehicle to boost mobile reception? There, there absolutely is. It's not cheap. Like, you've really got to want better mobile reception ongoing here because I've looked, um, I think a good long, long-time listener, Graham Tate, uh, emailed me and said he had installed this in, I think, his vehicle, and it's called Cellfi. Now, right. one, one L, C-E-L-F-I, F-I, C-E-L-F-I, yep. might have a dash in between. Um, Cellfi Go is, the is I think, the individual product name that is most likely to suit you. Basically, it, yep. it gets installed in your car. Um, I think they just put it under the seat or wherever, right? And then, you know, extra antennas are put in. And it, sure. it's got more power. It's bringing in more uh, more um, signal for signal. you. And so yep. your, your normal mobile uh, kind of just works with it in the car. It's like, a, okay. it's like a booster for the network, but it's doing the hard work rather than your phone. Yeah, um, right. Okay. And, and, mate, they are 100% targeted at either um, indoor environments where there's no mobile, so you, you put the booster in the in the building and you put an antenna yep. on the roof, or in your case, you put the booster in the truck. In fact, their website, I'm just looking at now, says, um, ideal for trucks. <laughs> first, okay, there you go. First carrier class mobile cellular coverage solution uh, featuring industry-leading 65-decibel uh, system game. So... Basically, if you were able to look at the the coverage meter on your phone, you'll be yes. able to boost that by having this in your device. There are there are five G versions, but I don't know that in Australia you can get the five G version easily. Yeah, Just right. Yep. Future proofing, right? Like how how long you have the truck and how long you're going to have it for? Oh, it'll be long term. It's not a short term thing. Yeah. So if if you can, it wouldn't be a terrible idea to try and invest in the five G one. But right. let's be clear, 4G ain't being switched off for another 10 years. So Yeah, okay. Yep. It's not, you're driving, you're doing, you know, you, you might be doing some music streaming or data streaming, but it's not like you're yes. doing huge downloads. Um, when you no. stopped, you're most likely to be in coverage areas, I'm assuming. Yeah, m- majority of the time, yeah, that's right. But it's just the in-between areas where you don't get the mobile reception. So just if another quick question, yeah. if you can clear that up. So if my phone is 5G and you install a, four, a 5G, say, cell five um, thing, if from what the telcos tell me, if that's not available, the 5G, it will automatically revert to either Correct. 4G or 3 Yeah, That's right. So even, okay. even this will only default back. So basically, this is like a Wi-Fi booster. It's it's going, I've got yep. some 4G here. I'm going to boost that into the truck. I've got some 3G right. here. I'm going to boost that into the truck. If it happens across some 5G, it'll yep. boost that into your truck, and your, your phone will see it as 5G. Um, yeah, okay. But in, right. but in reality, like even if I had a truck, that was going to be with me for 10 years, 
I'm yes. not sure I would go the. I don't know what the price difference is, but I'm not sure I would be desperate for the 5G variant because 4G is going to be more prevalent in the remote and rural areas anyway for much longer. Yeah, time. okay. Um, yep. The benefits of 5G are not really um, while you're driving. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's not yeah like, okay. I understand. Yep. Unless, unless you think you get to a point where the truck's going to add some smarts, some tracking, some sensors and all that kind of stuff that maybe yeah, 5G no, becomes no. an important thing. What do you do while you're driving, mate? What are you you're on the phone oh. to mates? Are you streaming? What do you do? No, mate, just podcasts, really. Um, obviously, I'm going to say the number one podcast of course. will be um, the night shift. Yep. If I'm not driving through the night, I will listen to it through the app. But actually, there's another question. You're probably the man. So I have Spotify, which is just my music. Yep. Um, mate, anywhere in Australia, while I've got the Spotify app on, yep. I, I can listen to music. Yeah. The, not the Triple M app. If I'm listening to the show and I hit a dead spot, you just lose everything. And that's because what? it's live, right? So if you're listening yep. to live radio and it, it you hit a black spot, it's it's like switching off the antenna. You know, it it yeah, right. can't see it. So that's why you need like on demand. You either need, as you say, better reception, or you need yeah. to become more on demand reliant. So you know, listening yep. to Luke's show live is great when you're in reception area. But, if, but when you lose, yeah. If you, if, you don't have, if you don't have physical radio or internet, you've literally got no connectivity to the outside world, so it can't bring, yep. in, it can't bring in the live signal. Uh, As opposed to the Spotify, it's, a, it's an app. So what it's so, doing, so what happens with Spotify is it's always looking ahead. So in my right. Spotify, I've only got like 60 songs, right? So I don't give, yep. I don't give rats. It's, they're always downloaded. Um, whereas right. if, you're, if you're on like a shuffled playlist... And yep. and you're like seventies hits. You go today. I'm gonna listen to seventies hits. It'll it'll basically download this this song you're listening to, and then it'll work ahead. It'll it'll work so, okay. a song or two ahead intelligently, yep. so that it's fast. It's, it's preloaded. It's preloaded. Yeah. Right, but and if, that's why it doesn't drop out. That's right. If you were okay, if you drove for and I can't. What's the most you could drive without reception in Australia? Like, is it an hour? It wouldn't be an hour. Oh, mate, in some spots, like if I go Brisbane to Adelaide, I go out through, let's say, oh, down okay. to Cobar and across to Broken Hill. Mate, there is a f- good few sections through there. Um, mate, it'd be at least easy an hour. Yeah, right. Where you do lose, like, reception. And, and yep. does Spotify get you through that hour? I'd be amazed if it buffered that far ahead. Ah, uh, s- Sometimes it does. It's that's probably the one of the few spots it will drop yeah. out, but not for that and long. I don't why, think that's why it's, yeah. it's you know it's working a couple of songs ahead. Plus, it'll also yeah. your phone. You, here's a, here's a tip on Spotify: yep. create your own playlist of just your best, your favorite, awesome songs, and hit download. Yeah, I have actually. Hit yeah, download. I have got a playlist. Yep. Make sure that is downloaded to your phone because absolutely yep. the worst case scenario, that's always going to be there for you. Yeah, okay. And the yeah, other thing is, other thing is, what podcast app are you using? Oh, was podcast one, but then oh, I you're think you're using the listener app. Yep. Yeah. So, at the, well, yeah. Not not too the triple M. Sorry, the triple M app is straight off the website. Yep, yep, yep. Of triple M. Um, yeah, the other ones, I there is a few different little podcasts I do listen to. They're either listener or podcast one. Yeah. So the thing I would, I mean, mate, you are the ideal <laughs> podcast listener, right? Now, right. the listener app, the podcast one, as it used to be called, um, yep. they're built around creating uh, content for those radio stations. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've not used them, but I can tell you right now that Pocket Casts, for example, 
is an okay. unbelievable app because it can be intelligent for you. So you can sit down one day and go, right, here's my here's my shows. I want to listen to yep. The Night Shift with Luke Boner. I want to listen to yep. EFTM with Trevor Long, obviously. Um, yeah, obviously. Two, two Blokes Talking <laughs> Tech, that would be another good one. The best yep. movies you've never seen. Now, anyway, all, all the good podcasts, <laughs> right? And and, yep. and what you do is you can, actually, you can actually say to it, please always download automatically. So when, yeah. a, when a new episode arrives, it's always downloaded so that, right. they, you, mate, you could go 10 hours and never need yep. internet because they all it's download. downloaded. It'll yep. intelligently get rid of the old episodes, only give you the yep. new episodes. There's a bunch of really cool things you can do to make it a really good listening experience. So okay. I would Wonderful. recommend Pocket Casts okay. um, and, and really tweak the settings so that you get the shows. Yep. You're basically creating your own radio station. You go from yeah, Luke wow. into my show into some you know show about something you're interested in. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. And and it's it's creating your own stream. And then when you're bored of people talking, you switch on Spotify, and you know, yeah, it's it's yeah. perfect like that. Oh, that's great, mate. That is wonderful information. I yeah, thanks. Glad mate, I can help. Invaluable, uh, mate. Enjoy the drive. Hopefully, you get a self yep. go happening. And uh, yeah, good luck on the roads, mate. Stay safe. All right, thank you. See you, mate. Cheers, buddy. And um, if you're out there and got questions like Dale, happy to help always. Um, Dale, a listener to the Night Shift with the Luke Boner on Triple M. Um, and as I've said many times, if you are wondering where you can hear me on the radio, um, I just actually just spent some time updating the website this week um, down the left-hand side of the EFTM website, or if you're on a mobile, right down the bottom, there's a button that says where to hear Trev on the radio, and there are a lot of radio stations there. A lot of radio. Oh, I've got to fix that because that bloke's got a really big head on the on the image. Uh, <laughs> I'll fix that. Poor old, poor old Arlo Barker out at uh, or Baker out at uh, Dubbo. Um, but yes, I'm on a lot of Triple M networks, uh, a lot of other stations around the place. So yeah, have a look, have a listen, and um, well, you'll hear me on the radio. Otherwise, you've got me right here on the EFTM podcast. Now, I've done a lot of work in the automotive field. You know, I love my cars. Um, I also love my robots. I've got my robot vacuum. I've got my robot lawnmower. Um, you know, robots are actually already a part of our lives. But there's a lot of research still being done into what they can do, how they can do things. And also, importantly, we've got this huge push towards autonomous vehicles. And one group of people that are doing a lot of work in this space are actually up at QUT in Queensland. And I find it fascinating that they get grants from huge companies um, to do their work and to, and to further their research. And I wanted to catch up with someone from QUT, Professor Michael Milford, and he joins me on the line. G'day, Michael. How are you, mate? Hey, Trevor. I'm doing great. So Ford have, um, have given you a grant to work with them on the future of autonomous vehicles. Firstly, tell me, how does something like that even happen? It's the result of a lot of investment uh, in research and technology development in Australia. It doesn't just happen overnight, but we've managed to build up some pretty impressive uh, technology capability and research capability uh, at our university, but also a number of other universities in Australia. And that's why the big companies come calling here. So, I mean, it's fascinating, really, because you think about, you know, the places they could go in the US, and I'm sure they do, plus... The, the investment they must have on campus themselves. I was at Detroit, um, I'm going to say 2016, took a ride in their autonomous vehicle. This was at a time they were hoping to have autonomous vehicles on sale in 2021. But, you know, the space is a difficult space, isn't it, autonomous vehicles? Because it's so much more than just having a car that can turn, indicate, do the basic things. You've got to know 
what's going on. And that's a big part of what you're doing, isn't it? Looking at how they understand the world around them. That's exactly right. To, to be clear, people have had autonomous vehicles that have sort of worked most of the time for 20 or 30 years operating on highways, but making them reliable and safe enough to be around us at all times, that's the real tricky part. And as you said, understanding exactly what's happening in the world around the car, something we do quite naturally as humans, we're pretty good at it, much harder to make a machine smart enough to do that, and that's what we're working on. So is your job essentially trying to take what you see and understand as a human and understand understand how you can program that into a robot because and we say robot we could just mean a computer we could mean um you know the cameras of a of a computer and how they're analyzed but essentially you know think about i I love the idea of an autonomous vehicle and i i drive cars every day that have these great features like lane keep assist and all this but gee whiz you take it a little bit out of town you take it on a different style of road a b road a c road a you know a road without markings on the on the on the extremities these are challenges that are that lay ahead for autonomous vehicles don't they Exactly right. The autonomous vehicles are already pretty good in normal, what you call normal driving conditions, so trolling along a highway in fine weather, but you put them in a sort of once-off challenging situation, maybe a flooded roadway, maybe a branch falling across the road, uh, it can be really challenging for them to understand what the appropriate action is to take in such a situation. So where do you start? Where do you start with this grant? Do you have a specific, very narrow area of work to, to do to you know help your research and Ford at the same time? Yeah, sure. So this particular project is attacking the problem of navigation for autonomous vehicles. So one of the things that's become really clear is that for these technologies to work, they're probably going to have to rely on what we call HD or high-definition maps of the environment. So imagine you've got a fleet of cars running around the city with cameras and lasers on them. They can create this really accurate map of the city and the cars can use that map Uh, to work out and understand the environment much better. So mapping is a critical technology piece, and to use a map, you need to understand where you are in that map, and that's the sort of thing we're attacking in this project. That's a fascinating challenge because, I, you know, you see these cars driving around. Of course, there's Google and Apple that are doing their, their Street View-style mapping, but I'm assuming they're also doing higher-end mapping now as well. But there's other companies driving around doing that mapping. So you're saying they're doing that not because they want to have a website that you can, you know, view the streets from, but because these kind of applications like autonomous vehicles will need to have detailed information um, to be able to operate. Exactly right. And and that enables you to do all sorts of things. If there's a a truck blocking your view of the road up ahead, uh, a map will tell you what to expect, even though you can't see it at that moment in time. If there's snow uh, or fog, a map will tell you what to expect on the road ahead of you, even though you can't see it at that moment in time. They don't solve all the problems for you, but they're a big part of the solution. So, I mean, it's a, it's it's an awesome field to be playing around in, but it's but it's far from um, the, the probably even the most exciting. You, you've you would have done a lot of amazing things. You've had research grants from people like Amazon as well to do um, to look at how robots essentially work in the home, because you know robot vacuums are a big part of things. So, you're literally dealing in every level of robotics. Yeah, so we get to play in a lot of really exciting areas. It's really fortunate to have have a job like this. Yeah, we're working with Amazon in the area of sort of cheap uh, robotics. So robots are cost-sensitive like any technology. So if you can use 
uh, cheaper, less capable sensors on the robot, maybe a less capable computer, and the robot's still smart enough to do what it needs to do, like moving around the house and not yep. bumping into things. Um, that's what we're working on. And there's all sorts of clever things you can do with the software behind the scenes to make that possible for a much lower cost point. Now, you have to forgive me. I'm an uneducated buffoon when it comes to these things, but university is not something I fully understand But in the sense that you, this is your day job. You get to work on this stuff. You're getting these grants from, from great companies, which I guess is, is it my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is my understanding the grants help you continue to operate as, a, I guess, a, a part of the university while then you have students coming through learning who not only have input into what you're doing and the work you're doing, but then take away from that to, to grow themselves and grow their studies outside. So you rely on these kind of grants to, to continue the, the work that you do both in research but also education. Exactly right. And and we've been working really hard on bridging that divide between what people would call research and what people would call teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea a lot of the universities are heading towards is making it sort of an integrated activity where all the research that the uh, bottlings that the universities do with companies uh, is integrated into the teaching that they teach to sort of undergraduate students. So you're really exposing them to that real-world environment, uh, perhaps even providing them job opportunities uh, down the road. And indeed, a lot of the students, both at sort of undergraduate and postgraduate level, uh, end up working for some of the top companies all around the world, which is really cool. Yeah, it's a pretty good thing to have on your CV that you actually did work within the research that helped Ford or Amazon. That's that's kind of a big part of it. What What's the coolest thing in your lab? So let's say um, the Prime Minister's office rings and says, tomorrow, forget that he's in Glasgow, tomorrow the Prime Minister's coming. What can you show him? Uh, the coolest thing we'd have to show them right now in our lab would probably be some of our marine robot protectors. So we have uh, some of our colleagues here have this fleet of autonomous submarine robots uh, that run around on the Great Barrier Reef and other marine environments. Uh, they kill all the invasive species that wow. threaten the health of the reef, and they also help with the coral spawning process. So they're at both ends of the life cycle, uh, helping protect our amazing natural environments. Wow, that is awesome! <laughs> and you know, completely off the cuff, by the way, I didn't didn't uh, didn't suggest that to you before we chatted. But so. I, th- I think what what I'm fascinated by is the ability for you guys to be able to, you know, whittle away at things, but also get the attention of these big companies. And so is this as much a reputational play in, in getting these, these deals, these, these grants, so that you're able to continue to grow the reputation of QUT as a place to come, not just for students, it's, it's again, it's like both ends of the life cycle for the marine robot, both ends of the cycle. You want students wanting to come to you to be educated, but you also want brands and companies to come to you because you're the wealth of research. Exactly right. And it's, it's not something that can happen overnight, but yeah. in, in our case at QT, there really wasn't much robotics here only a short uh, decade or so ago. The university invested in it, and then the federal government and a bunch of companies invested in it, and we grew from sort of no one being here to over 100 people being active in the robotics space in a pretty short period of time. And then once you start to work with these companies, you get a sort of reputation that you can deliver on projects, and that sort of uh, perpetuates uh, further success. So, yeah, if you invest in the right areas, you can really make something happen in a relatively short period of time, even if 
you're in Australia, which seems a long way away from the hotspots overseas sometimes. Are you the worst critic of robots on the planet because of your knowledge? So I'll give you an example. I, um, I review cars, so does my mate Flipsy, and, and he'll, he'll tell me that this car is way too aggressive with its lane keep assist, for example, and I'll be like, yeah, I noticed that as well. You must get in cars, you must um, open up gadgets and think, this thing's not performing the way it probably could or should. Um, you know, that, that doesn't really express the best experience. Is that a, is that a problem for you as a, as a robot uh, analyst? It, it is a problem. If you bring in a, a robot vacuum cleaner or a robotic toy and you let it loose on our floor, you'll instantly get a crowd of uh, armchair critics critiquing <laughs> every single thing that it did wrong. But it's also a great way to learn about some of the tech as well. Because it is brilliant to look at. I've got a, um, I wouldn't call it a robot vacuum. I'd just call it an autonomous vacuum um, from like Demtel days back maybe 15, 20 years ago that literally just bumped moved, bumped, moved, and that kind of thing, right? But then I compare it to David, the na- that's the name of my current robot, um, who is able to use LiDAR to map my home um, and is able to use its camera and, I guess, computing power on board to determine that that's a, that's a cable. I'm not going to go near it. That's a, that's a blanket. That's a toy. I'm going to avoid that thing. It's phenomenal how far we've come in many, pl- many parts of robotics for the end consumer, right? It is, and, but it's only happened in little areas. So, so vacuum cleaner robots are one of the success stories. Yep. Um, what we're all hoping for, especially those of us with young kids, is the vacuum cleaner robot that has a little arm on it that can clean <laughs> up the house ahead of vacuuming. Yes. Um, yes. Like detecting not to fall downstairs and not to chew up rugs is one thing, but ideally you'd pick up all the toys off the ground and do the vacuuming so you didn't have to do it beforehand. That's what I'm really looking for. Yeah, I, I looked out the back window of my place the other day and I could hear a noise, and it was Edward. Um, the robot lawnmower, um, and it sounded like the same noise that Edward gets when he gets a twig stuck underneath him. It's just a, it's just a constant sound of the the blade just going over the twig. Oh, that's no worries. I looked out again a second later; it was still happening. I stood up because Edward was behind a bush. Well, it wasn't a twig; it was a uh, a camp chair that I'd had sitting out there. I was sitting out in the sun. Edward had knocked it over and had started eating the camp chair. So yeah, we need some extra intelligence built into these things as we go along, but we are still in the very early phases of all this stuff. I and mean, it's the same, um, Michael, with cars, really, isn't it? Because I, I guess Tesla's a great example of a company that talks the talk when it comes to um, autonomous. But in reality, the, the, the skill level of that car is probably a long way from what Ford would have on their campus, let alone probably some of the things you've even seen happening in automotive. I think uh, what's key to this is understanding that no one knows what the final solution for an autonomous vehicle that works everywhere is. Like, no one's done it yet. We don't know for sure. Um, What is important to note is that a bunch of these companies have quite different approaches to this problem. So, Tesla is famous for not really relying on on maps of the environment, like I was talking about before, and primarily using um, vision, so using cameras rather than these sort of expensive LiDAR sensors that tell you how far away everything is to millimeter precision around the vehicle. Um, And Elon has one thing right, which is that humans are a proof of concept that we can drive just using vision primarily. But the the key thing here is that may not be the best way to engineer a system. The the systems in a car are still not going to be as smart as a human, but they're going to have access to these maps and to these special sensors that humans don't have in their head. And so it won't be exact. We're not trying to recreate exactly how a human drives. There will be differences. And I think that's where the real sort of advances are being made. 
and it, which leads me to my last uh, point, and it's just come to me while we're chatting. But uh, there's there's a phrase or a term that gets bandied around a lot, which I, I'm I'm less and less a fan of in its use in marketing, and that's artificial intelligence, which in, in many senses is I guess a form of computer robotics, maybe. But there's a big difference between something actually having AI and something that maybe. I don't know, a television, for example. It doesn't have AI, but they used some AI to build the database of information it has about pictures and, and graphics to, to give you the best picture. What, what Have you seen any AI in the real world that, that impresses you? Is AI yet a thing that we really have at consumer level? So the most impressive AI is the AI you never notice in your lives around you. That, that's that's impressive tech. And and there is some pretty impressive tech, especially in the online world. So the things that predict what you're going to be eating on a Friday night or what product you might want to buy from Amazon, that AI is pretty impressive and, and is very good sometimes at predicting what you might want. Um, that's probably the most impressive AI that's sort of unleashed in the real world. But I can tell you there's a whole lot of really exciting stuff coming down the pike. Uh, not unleashed uh, out into the wild yet but really really cool well you get to sit at the other end of the, uh, of the of the fence that tells us what's coming and um you've got a you've got that kind of vision of the future that i guess we need we need people like you looking at what's happening and and making sure it works well for us because if it doesn't consumers won't pick it up and i think robots robot vacuums are a good example of that they've only really come into their own when they've become genuinely good at what they do. So we've still got a long way to go because I'm like you, mate. I want it picking up the rubbish after the kids, not just uh, telling me where it is. Um, yeah, and you're not, you're not the customer that will make it sell. You're an enthusiast. It's the person who doesn't care about robots at all but is lazy who buys one because it saves them time. That's the critical breakthrough for all robotics. Spot on. Professor Michael Milford, I really appreciate your time, mate. Awesome stuff that you're doing Thanks up there. Thanks for having me on the program. Hopefully uh, the QUT continues to get that great name around the world as a, as a centre for robotics and, uh, and engineering that you're, that you're leading. Good on you, mate. Okay, see you, sir. Trevor Long, taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, jump on the website eftm.com. G'day, Michael. <laughs> How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. What can I do for you? Um, I was, uh, I've seen, I've seen a, lot of, a, a lot of stuff on your show, uh, different things, but I was looking with the best camera for indoor, indoor cameras. And I was, um, just from security aspect, yep. um, but obviously to keep it indoors, but also face it outdoors just for, I don't want, I don't want to put a security, I don't want to put it out, uh, security camera outdoors. Um, but I've seen a bunch of them, like, you know, the Google Nest cams, the Arlo's, yep. uh, um, yeah. So just in terms of what, you know. What the you know like probably what the best ones are you know um, when, when you say you don't want to put one outdoors is there a reason you don't want to put it outdoors um, I probably can't uh, we own our own house but I probably can't mount it to the um, I, the um, the walls of common wall outside so I probably can't mount it uh, with screw with, with with screws to the common wall so um, it is our it is our own yeah we got a very big courtyard and it is our own courtyard but yeah. Um, but it, but that that courtyard's common, so yeah, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to drill I wouldn't want to drill into that with um, yeah right. But, with you're, but you're happy to put something kind of facing out the window, essentially. Um, yeah, it's for a it's for a security issue. Um, um, I'm wanting to, keep, oh, to be honest, I'm wanting to keep it on some neighbours actually um, that, are, that are that are doing a. Um, that are doing a build next door, yeah, right. so um, yeah, yeah. Well, so look, that's you know, you know uh, the, and, and while while I'm travelling, I want to be able to you know, so if like I'm. I'm all, yeah, jump in and have a look. So, well, yeah. One of the so there's a couple of things to know about security cameras. There's plenty of good ones. You've named them all. They're excellent. Yeah. Um, Arlo, Google Nest, uh, Uniden. There's a bunch, right? Yeah. Now, one of the challenges is where and how you want to access what it records. 
So um, I have, I've, for example, a bunch of Arlo cameras at home. At any yep. point, I can look them up. I can see a live view. I can talk to people there. Um, yep. I can look at what it's recorded over the last seven to 30 days or something like that. Yep. And I'm paying for one camera. You pay like two bucks, I think it is. It's not much at all. Um, yep. Or you go down the Uniden path, which, you know, you can have that cloud stuff, but you can also just have a memory card built into it. Um, okay, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Either. Yeah, I mean, we're not we're not out of the house that much. I guess we've locked down and stuff, but yeah. we're in Melbourne. Um, but we're going to be getting out about a bit more and, you know, but, Got a bit of uh, got, got a bit of pent up annual leave planned, and um, so I just I just want to I just want to set probably a couple up in the house. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, mate. I think the Uniden system is probably going to be ideal. Um, the other yep. one I hear a lot about, but I've not tested, is Eufy. Um, okay. E U F Y. Um, yep. You can find those at the good guys. Um, yep. But personally, I've tested the Unidens. They've got a memory card slot in the back if you want. They've got a great okay. app. It all works. All um, right. You pay a couple hundred bucks per camera. Um, yep. But you know it's completely adjustable. Have one, have many, whatever you like. They've even got one that that pans and tilts, mate. So you okay. can sit it. You could sit it on like a, a table next to the window, and you can actually tilt it around. Or yeah, well, I've got a mezzanine. Um, I've got a mezzanine level. So yes. in terms of the, in, in terms of the um, in terms of the height that I would, I, I don't know, keep it but in terms of the height, I would want to put it out, outside to capture what I to capture part of what I want to capture outside. Um, I can, I can, I can stick it up on, uh, I can stick it up on my mezzanine upstairs. Yep. Um, you know, which, which would probably be at the same height that would, which would probably be at the same height that you could mount it. Yep. Right. Exactly. Uh, if you were, if, if you were mounting it outside. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, will they do, just a quick question. Will they detect movement outside as well? Like if you're, if it's close to the window and then you're looking and it's looking out, would it be, they be, do the, do the indoor ones detect out or you really need to have an outdoor one well, to detect I'm, outdoor movement? Honestly, I'm, I'm only looking at the outdoor ones here for you because you're going to yeah. place it up against a window and the in, they, they yeah. have the same level of sensing, if you like. Okay. Uniden, for example, have this thermosense where it'll detect a person versus just any old movement. Yep. The cool. challenge with pointing any camera out the window is mm. when the wind blows and that tree moves, it's, it's motion. So that's why for my front yeah, door. Yeah, no, there, there are no there are no trees out there at all. Yeah, um, it's it's um, so any yeah. any motion is is motion you want to capture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no motion out there. The only the only motion you get is if there was someone on the roof next door or someone in my courtyard who shouldn't be there. So. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, yeah. mate, yeah, yeah. Uniden or Arlo, either will do a great job for you, mate. All right, fantastic. I'll um I'll look at the Uniden. You can where, where do you get those? You can get those at JB's. JB's, good guys. They got them all. Yeah, I, I like I like your jingle. I hope I, I hope I wasn't on air or anything. <laughs> <laughs> All good, mate. All good. Um, no, no, but I um yeah to be yeah that's um I just want to say that's fantastic. You know that uh, you know I don't know it's obviously your your show. Um, and I didn't you know I thought oh, maybe I'll get a, I'll get an email or something like that. But um, yeah, I see, I see a lot of your stuff on um you know when you're watching the Today Show and different things like that. So uh, easy, um, man. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. My wife's always my wife's always telling me off to buy too much technology, but I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, right? well, so. tell tell you here to look after the family, mate. You're here here to keep keep the place safe. <laughs> So All right, thank you very much. Cheers, thank you buddy. very much, Trevor, thanks and I'll uh, rec- recommend you onto a bunch. Of, I recommend you onto other people for any advice. Thanks, so. buddy. All right, Cheers, All right. Buddy. thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. And if you've got a question, um, like Michael did, you go to the website eftm.com. Anytime you like, just hit me up. We'll see whether I can get you on the show. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say, but Trevor longs the world's best techie. Call him Techie. Trevor Long is such 
Yeah, good times. Thanks for listening. Lovely to have your company once again. Always do, please get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Um, if you're on the talk, then look me up on TikTok at Trevor Long, on Instagram at Trevor Long AU. Um, I'm logging onto Twitter every day or two just to make sure there's no direct messages or anything there. Trying to reply to those if I get them, but most importantly, through the website, eftm.com. There's too many platforms in the world, is what I'm saying to you. Too many. So I don't know how we deal with that going forward. We need to rationalise. We need to cut back. We need some of them to fail. (laughs) We need them to fail so that I can keep track of what's going on. Anyway, uh, great to have your company once again. Um, If you got this podcast in the Two Blokes Talking Tech stream because I chose to do that, Thank you. Welcome. And you can um, you can subscribe to this individually or Stephen and I will continue having the debate about whether or not we should put all our shows in that one stream. I think we should. You should tell him the same. Uh, more people would hear the Tech Guide podcast. That's what I'm arguing for. Anyway, lots more to come over the weeks ahead as we move towards Christmas here on the EFTM podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Great to have your company. If you are... Um, in the mood, leave a rating and a review on uh, the podcast store if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Talk to you again soon.